You've read or heard or preached the scripture this week. Now what? Join me, Pastor Carissa, and my colleague, Pastor Alan, as we explore the spaces between the Sundays in our podcast, Soft Idolatry. Welcome to Soft Idolatry, Season 4, Episode 3. Carissa, any thoughts? <laughs> I was wondering how long you were going to just sit there and stare off into space before uh, jumping in and, and asking something. I mean, I, I have lots of thoughts. I'm an Enneagram 7. That's what we do. We just have lots of thoughts. Are you wondering about anything in, in particular? Or would you just like the stream of consciousness about everything that's bouncing around in this crazy town that is my brain? <laughs> uh, well, it is... As crazy as these times are, I think you're just mirroring the reality outside of your head. Yeah, although I know for many folks it feels a little less crazy today than it did a week ago. Yes, for many people there is clarity, though there are a surprising number of people who don't want to believe the reporting of the vote counts or somehow think despite a lack of evidence that there is voter fraud on a massive scale and uh yeah it's weird it didn't it didn't used to be this way the year 2000 notwithstanding i was going to say this is not the first time this sort of thing has happened and uh, people have have questioned votes and yeah and i'm it's just it's a lot to sort through regardless of where you stand uh who you voted for it's it's an odd time this was you know i mentioned last week i've been following presidential elections since i was a kid i just find them fascinating and this this was unlike any other it was bizarre on so many levels. Yeah, I had, um, I, I know this isn't where we were talking about going today, but I was on Facebook and one of my African-American high school classmates asked the question, was it always this bad and I just didn't notice it growing up or is this something new? And the, there I was one of the first people to respond. So I don't know what else has happened on that thread since, but another African-American classmate said, no, it was always like this. And um, my feeling is to, to a certain extent, all of the ugliness that we have seen these last few years has always been there. But the difference is now that we have social media, we can now we can now experience everyone's unfiltered stream of conscience about everything. Yeah, you know what? That's a really great point. Because in 2000, we didn't have, I, I think some of the social media was MySpace around at that time. Some of it was around, but it wasn't prolific in the way that it is now. Yeah. And there are so many things that social media is good for. But this is certainly something that has been made awful by it in a lot of ways. Yeah. 
Yeah. And even you, in 2008, when Obama was elected, social media wasn't this ne- nefarious. I well, there were there were fewer people on it. You know, mm-hmm. it, it definitely. I when I joined Facebook in 2007, I think it was. I was. How old was I in 2007? I was 35 or 36 when I. It's probably 35. It's probably before my birthday. Um, way, way long time ago. It was a way long time ago. <laughs> and at like 35, I thought I was the oldest person on Facebook. Eh, not anymore. Not even close. Now, within a year or two, there were people from my church who were in their 70s who got on Facebook because their grandkids were on Facebook. And that has certainly been been you know um that's certainly been part of the curve there with older people getting on facebook and also true for twitter and other social media platforms and so it went from social media went from being something that was primarily obsessed with youth culture to something that brought in the broader culture and where we could all broadcast our personal ideologies and uh, could yell and scream at all of the people that we can't yell and scream at all the time in real life. Yeah, I remember I actually got on Facebook in 2008 when I was pregnant with Levi. We had quite a traumatic Uh, dramatic experience, uh, pregnancy and delivery with him. And so we got on Facebook as a way to communicate with friends and family what was happening with with all of that. And so, you know, it's interesting how it does have that effect of you can you can let people know what's going on really quickly. We use it for church all the time. We post links to the worship service on YouTube and all of that stuff. But on the other hand, you're right, there is this um, impersonality that goes along with it, right? It kind of dehumanizes the person on the other side of the screen. People are willing to be horrible to people they don't know on Facebook and even people that they do know because they disagree about something. And that's become a dangerous thing in the past few years. Absolutely. And, and it, has, um, it has also, I think, contributed to or at least been a part of our gathering into silos of like-minded people. So, you know, I can, I can rant and scream about all sorts of things and maybe I'll have a Facebook friend who pushes back, but more likely that person will just unfriend me. And, and then I have that much more need to rant and scream and yell and rave and be a lunatic because I'm not getting heard. It is a weird, vicious cycle, isn't it? And Mm -hmm. um, there's this fine line. Like there are people that I have unfriended and blocked on Facebook because their behavior, I, I try, I try in my own personal social media sphere to do that based on a person's behavior rather than their agreement or disagreement with me. Like if you want to disagree with me, that's fine. Do it nicely. Mm-hmm. But if you're going to be a dick about it, you're out. 
Um, Like I'm sorry, you know, someone a couple months ago, I, I liked an article somebody else posted as a comment or something like that. And the article happened to be from a particular news source and a, a person, I'm not, I'm not, I'll just a person, uh, direct messaged me a tirade about how stupid I was for falling for the lies of that particular media outlet. Completely unprovoked. Get out. It was appalling. And so that that per- I just said, hey, it was nice chatting with you and catching up and then immediately blocked the person <laughs> forever. Because yeah. like, that's insane. That's that is not friendly disagreement. That's just being a total jerk. Yeah. And and now that said, this is a person who probably would have said that face to face, but more people are willing to do that kind of thing over the internet than in person. Yeah, it, it, it exacerbates all of our petty differences and it elevates differences on a small set of issues into major disagreements sometimes. Yeah. And, and I, yeah. I think we can bring this around, Alan. Hear me out. I think we mm-hmm. can bring this around to our, our thread this week, which is the parable of the talents mm-hmm. from Matthew 25, 14 through 30. That's, I'm going to be preaching that this week, actually, to a group of seminary students. And I think you were planning on preaching that at church. I am. And um, this idea of doing well, investing well what you have been given. And we all do have this outlet on social media in its varying in size and degree, depending on who you are, right? So um, President Trump has quite the Twitter following and an awful lot of people hear what he says on Twitter. Um, You know, I've got about 30 people that follow me on Instagram, right? So there, you know, you've got this difference here. We've got, you know, a few, I don't know, I think a couple dozen listeners at this point on our podcast. Um, and so we have different levels of how much voice we have in the community, but it matters for each and every one of us how we use that. How are we going to invest that voice that we have in the world around us? Yeah, and and what is going to guide our investments? Are we going to be ruled by our fears or are we going to be disciples and follow our faith? Exactly. Exactly. Are we going to invest it kindly? Are we going to um, use these principles of scripture we've seen over the summer, loving the Lord your God with all your heart and mind and soul, loving your neighbor as yourself? Um bearing witness to the justice that the gospel calls us to, you know, all of these things, or are we going to use it to keep ourselves safe in our own little silos? Yeah. Are, are we going to fortify our bunkers? Exactly. Exactly. Um, and we see that in the way that the servants in this parable invest their, their talents. Yeah. And, and it's important to remember that, a talent is a measure of silver. Um, it's a rather large me- measure of silver. And a talent, a single talent, even if it's just one coin, that is actually about the equivalent of 20 years worth of wages for a laborer. 
Yeah, it's a lot of silver. One year as an illustration at church, I brought in a 75-ish pound kettlebell, <laughs> uh-huh. carried it in and like thunked it down on the um, on the uh, floor up by the pulpit. And I, cha- I challenged people. I said, you know, if you want to get a good idea of how heavy a talent is, I want you to come over after church and just like try to pick this this up and uh, it was fun like to see the realization of like that's a lot of silver <laughs> silver is not a particularly dense material either so yeah even the servant that got only like one talent that was a lot of dough right and the the point of that amount is that God gifts us with extraordinary things. God gifts us this faith. And faith starts with God. It is God's faithfulness to us. And that is more than that is more than the talent of being able to play the guitar or the talent of being able to sing, as well as at least one person on this podcast can do. Those are nice things. Those are, uh, shall I say, ordinary talents Mm -hmm. in that many people possess them to some degree or another. I can also play the guitar and I can also sing. I am not extraordinarily talented at either. And, And yet, uh, 20 years worth of wages you know let, let, let's let's do that in our categories at pittsburgh presbytery minimum salary for a full-time call what what is that now about fifty-four thousand, maybe fifty-five thousand. i don't know the exact number but let's round it up to 60 just to like let's do okay that times 20 years that mm-hmm. is 1.2 million yeah so Imagine someone handing you $1.2 million and saying, I'm going to go away for a little while. Here's a million two. You know, I'll be back in a bit. So we'll, we'll settle up accounts when I'm back. And you don't know when the person who gave you that money is coming back. You just know that that person says, I'm coming back. Yeah, you put that in the bank. You do not bury that in your mattress. <laughs> no, it, it, it's actually, um, you know, if if we if we get to if if and this is sort of silly and ridiculous, but let's tease this out on the literal level. Seventy, or I think it's maybe sixty or seventy kilos of, of silver. That. As you said, it's not very dense, so it's going to take up a lot more space than your kettlebell. Yes. And if you decided to bury it somewhere, it's going to take you more effort to dig that hole and bury what you have yes. and cover it over and and make it not look like there's a hole there. It's going to take you a lot more effort to bury it and do nothing with it than to walk it to the banker who can lend it out and make more money. 
Yes. And not to mention the fact that if you are digging a hole that big and trying to have people not notice you're digging that hole, you're likely to get turned in to the police for suspected homicide. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Or in in biblical times, you are likely to alert a thief that you have just buried a large quantity of cash. Yes. You, You cannot be subtle burying something of that of that volume. Right. No, no. So. You know, live in faith, and after you live into faith, enter into your reward, enter into the joy of the presence of your master. Go out and and invest that. Go out and put it to use. And yeah, this is a great, um, a great passage for a small church to remind them that they have something Mm -hmm. that they still have something to use but it's really it's a reminder to all of us that um i mean there there are so many ways you can uh there are so many analogs for burying your talents like you know let's um let's put all of this money that we have into uh certain cosmetic features of the church <laughs> yes or um you know let's uh let's spend you know forty thousand dollars repairing the organ instead of putting forty thousand dollars on the mortgage for the church yes or even um taking for granted the power of saying things on social media yeah and saying inappropriate things yes the power of saying inappropriate things but also uh the option of not saying appropriate things there was a really good piece on working preacher this week by matt skinner uh urging all of us clergy folk to not squander this opportunity that uh this is for us a reminder to keep saying things keep saying difficult things keep challenging our congregations and keep telling the truth and the love and the joy of relationship in and through jesus christ Yeah, and if you want to make another connection to something that has been very prominent um, of late in in our particular location, um, you think about um, being anti-racist, right? Combating the structures of racism in our world. Um, We can look at our privilege as talents that we have been given as as something. A lot of people feel like when they hear someone say you have white privilege, like that is some sort of attack. But rather, that is something that is, that means you have something that is valued by our culture, for better or for worse. It's something that is valued. Whiteness is valued by our culture at large. And so that offers opportunities then for certain people to speak out um against behaviors that they might see right so we have opportunities to call out other white folks when they're saying stuff that's pretty insensitive or flat out racist 
Um, it gives men an opportunity, right? Male privilege gives men an opportunity to say, I, I want to hear the, the woman at the table speak, right? That was, um, I've had that experience a couple times and there's something so beautiful about hearing someone who could very easily just talk over you say, no, no, shut up, guys. <laughs> the ladies haven't had a chance to speak yet. Um, you know, privilege it, it sh should be looked at as a talent to be invested wisely rather than squandered. Yeah, absolutely. Um, that's that's been a big theme in my preaching over the last few months is that if you have it, give it away. Um, not not so much just set it aside and pretend you don't still have it. I can I can pretend that I am not privileged or uh, not entitled in certain ways, but uh, the really the really faithful way of giving it away is to give it to other people, to invest it in other people. Um, there are so many things that we take for granted and squander in so many different ways. And um, there are a lot of different comparisons we could make. I, I think it's also helpful to situate Matthew's gospel. Um, this is toward the end of the gospel. This is really the last teaching that he's going to do to the disciples. And he is preparing them for their ministry after he's gone. And in that interim time between his death and resurrection and his return. And, you know, in the gospel of John, it's all wonderful and happy. Um, in my father's house, there are many dwelling places. And, you know, if it were not so, would I have told you that I go to make a place for you? And Matthew's gospel is completely different. It's like, okay, I'm about to go away. I've foretold my death a couple of times. And now here are some really cryptic parables. <laughs> and all of the parables are about how you are supposed to act in the world as disciples. Yes. They are about how you are supposed to use what God has given you for the benefit of those around you, not for your own benefit. And this is going to culminate in Christ the King Sunday, November 22nd, when we hear what is sometimes called the parable of the sheep and the goats, or what other editors will call the judgment of the nations. I love that we've been hanging out long enough that you're the one that brought in the liturgical calendar into this, <laughs> into this episode, <laughs> and I didn't have to. But yeah, this is this is part of a greater whole, and that's one of the dangers we get anytime we separate, especially parables, but you know, any part of the gospel from its context, we get this weird thing about talents, which is already a, a word that we misunderstand in the English. Um, and it's it, out of context, it doesn't have quite the same power that it does within the, the greater context of the gospel of Matthew. And also in looking at its placement in the liturgical 
year as we near the end of our our Christian year. In a couple of weeks, we'll be shouting Happy New Year in my church (laughs) services because that's the beginning of the Christian New Year. People talk about Chinese New Year, Jewish New Year, secular New Year, but we talk very little about Christian New Year, but that is such an important part of of our rhythm and our journey together. I usually save that joke for uh, children's sermons, but oh, I, I don't. <laughs> oh well, I, I I started in the children's sermon, but no, you know, I I haven't I haven't given a children's sermon since March. I haven't given one in quite a long time. I've actually taken to giving. Um, it's sort of a testimony time and sort of a children's sermon for grown-ups and kind of bring mm-hmm. a bunch of different pieces together because I think we can all get a lot out of those illustrations but i think we're beginning to wander off into the weeds a bit here we we are i'll i'll just say i've always thought the children's sermons were for grown-ups too were or or grown-ups first uh, absolutely yeah they're more for the grown-ups if you stop doing children's sermons it is not the kids who are going to make the biggest fuss about it <laughs> this this is true but for me it's a casualty of the pandemic and just, yeah. you know, the weirdness of worship since March 15th and, uh, you know, wanting to present a shorter worship service uh, because at first, because we're online and I'm fearful and back to the text and making decisions out of fear. I, I am fearful that if people are watching worship online, that they may tune out. So we want to make it faster. We want to make it more succinct. Um, when we are back in the sanctuary together, fearful that the longer we are in an enclosed space together, the greater the likelihood mm-hmm. of the transmission of a coronavirus. And so the safest, smartest thing to do, and I will stick to this here, uh, is to move the service along as quickly as possible so yeah and i'll say two things about that i think there is healthy fear that is okay to let it inform what we're doing as long as it's not running our lives and fear of a deadly pandemic is is probably a healthy and appropriate fear right and you know not that there aren't um not that, that these things aren't trite and overused but I am told that the Chinese uh, character for the word crisis is a combination of the characters for the words fear and opportunity. Absolutely. And that was actually the second thing I was about to say is that we can bring this back to investing our talents wisely. Sometimes we don't get the ta- the number of talents we thought we were going to get, right? This year, we thought we were going to have 52 normal Sundays, like always. We were going to keep doing our children's sermons. We were going to do things like we always have. And hello, that's not what happened. But that doesn't mean we've not been given something incredible to invest. We've got this opportunity. Pastors talk a lot about leading um you know, real transformative change, adaptive change rather than surface level change. Well, tell you what, 2020 offered that up on a golden platter for us. Amen. And so where where are those opportunities to invest wisely? 
We've got this chance to figure out new ways to connect with people, and some of that's going to be great. Some of it's going to fall flat on its face. But if we don't take the opportunity to figure those things out and play around with it, we're sunk. We're, we're just wasting it. If we refuse to invest the resources that we have in this time of weirdness, we are sunk. And, you know, it, it really, our times are an interesting parallel. You know, we are in this in-between space of church really, really, really doesn't look like we expect it to look. But it hasn't moved into some new thing either. And, you know, this is this is the time to embrace the weirdness and invest the resources we have and attempt all sorts of new things. Now, the good news is that we have been doing this for the last six months or so. Actually, no, it's more like eight months. It's but so many months now. <laughs> they it's all so blur many together. months. They all blur together. They, they felt the first couple months felt like years and, mm -hmm. And then the rest of them go by like that. Yeah, it's November already. It's We're well into November we're already. We're well into November. And it's 70 degrees outside, or at least it was. It's cooling off now as we record this. Yes, it, it is gorgeous out there. Um, but yeah, it, um, I, I think you're absolutely right. This is happening. We are seeing it happen in many churches. Some churches have just taken this as an opportunity to say, well, see, the world hates us. But others, you know, more than that, though, I've seen the overwhelming majority playing around and trying new things and figuring out what community really means. And are we ever going to get back to normal? I sincerely hope not. Mm -hmm. We might get some of normal back, but I would hate it if things went just right back to the way that they, they always were. I don't think that that would have been a good investment of this time. Right. It would be great if we go back to some things that were predictable, but normal had a whole lot of problems with it to begin yeah. with. Yeah. So invest whatever you're given whether it's what you expected or what you wanted or what the other guy got or the other girl or um, the other person, however you want to identify, um, it, you know, invest it anyway because it is important and useful. I think that sums it all up. Great. Well, then let's get out of here before we wander off into the weeds again. Yes, and I think I may wander off in search of a an outdoor table at a restaurant while there's some light out so yeah it is beautiful out there today we took advantage of it and, and went out for a walk at lunchtime with our with our dog who was delighted by the weather as well so um uh if you want to offer us a prayer and a blessing that sounds good alan and then we can boogie on out of here okay let us pray Gracious God, as the light gets shorter every day, let us never forget how bright shines your light at all times. Let us not bury our heads and our talents in fear, 
but let us lift our eyes and look for your light. And then, as we find your light, share it with others. Invest our presence and our energy and our love in spreading your light so that all may see your glory and your love and your presence in these uncertain times. May the God who makes you holy and whole knit you together in mind and body and spirit. May you be whole and be a blessing to others and share your talents with the world. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you, friends, for joining us for another episode of Soft Idolatry. Uh, at the end of the show here, we'll give you some ways that you can connect with us. But before I uh, cut to that, Alan, um, do, do you know where you can find a turkey with no legs? We're coming up on Thanksgiving, and turkey is very important. Do you know where you can find a turkey with no legs? On Amazon? Exactly where you left it. Where's it going to go? <laughs> probably also on amazon <laughs> and <Yeah>. maybe ebay <laughs> yeah i think that's called the turkey breast <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah yeah all right have a good week friends we'll talk to you next week thanks for joining us on soft idolatry for show notes and more information check out our website at softidolatry.com to send us questions or comments, you can email us at info at softidolatry.com. And if you'd like to help support this podcast, please become a patron at www.patreon.com slash softidolatry. That's Patreon, P-A-T-R-E-O-N. <laughs>